This episode of Bend the Knee is brought to you by Lord Jason of House Ross, Lady Amanda of House Richardson, Lord Adam the Young Bull of House Parker, Sir Peter of House Whittingham, the Ghost of Harrenhal, a Bannerman Has No Name, Lord Thanos of House Titan, Lord Nelson of the Long Isle, the Mother of Cats, Sir Joshua of House Ross, Lady Kendall of House Taylor, Sir Ryan of House Lothstrom, Lady Liz of House Hendricks, Lord Hunter the Foulmouth, Captain of the Guard, Sir Dustin the Rooster Knight, Captain of the Guard, Sir Ron of House Golson, Captain of the Guard, Lady Amanda, Captain of the Guard. I am Sir Matt, the Bud Knight. And I am Sir Ezra, the Watchful. Welcome to our Song of Ice and Fire uh, book club. Welcome to Follow Up Friday. We have got a jam-packed show for you today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lots of ravens. So Yeah, it's good. We uh, did some collaborations with some uh, other podcasts and people we've been wanting to talk to for quite some time. But uh, here we go, Sir Ezra. This is probably going to be... I don't know if this is going to be the last follow-up Friday for a while, but uh, it's certain where as we as we kind of wrap up season eight here, I know we we'll probably do a Ravens Nest and we'll we'll talk quite a bit about it. But um, yeah, as we move back towards the reread, right? Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, uh, and and also we wanted to mention too, we might do a couple musings with uh, some of the Ravens we didn't get to. We have to kind of comb back through those. We have over like five hundred. So honestly. Uh, we got quite a few in this episode, but we'll see what we can do with the rest of those. And uh, we appreciate everyone's support. And, and uh, yeah, so we're looking forward to the reread uh, mm-hmm. coming up. Yeah, so, uh, all right, well, let's get back to trivia. I know we kind of took a week off, but uh, so the trivia last follow-up Friday was what is the color of the horse that Arya rides out on? A lot of people put a lot of different things. Some people said a pale mare. Some people said gray. Some people said ashen. Uh, really, any anything would have worked, um, but I like this one the most here. Scott uh, Friedlander, I believe. Yeah. Dragon ash white with a sprinkling of blood of an innocent red. I like that. Yeah. So, uh, Scott, be sure to send us a message, and we will get you a uh, Funko Pop sent your way. I'm, I believe uh, I'm uh, putting in the orders uh, this week for all of the prizes for everyone who else Everyone else who has uh, participated that haven't, hasn't received theirs yet, so those are coming. And um, we're going to do one final trivia question uh, from the season. What does Braun think should be rebuilt first? Yeah. It's super important. i tell you that much. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think he's right. So. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Hey, did anybody uh, do, like, provide a, a a name by chance for the horse with shadow facts mentioned in there anywhere yeah i don't I think kinda, so man i was kind of hoping what is wrong you know i was hoping somebody would would hop on that but our our tax oh boy good grief don't get me started <laughs> anyways okay i just kind of wondered kind of kind of funny that should have been the trivia question name the horse but name the horse yeah. Uh, all right, Ravens. We have so many, and we're going to dive into 
all of them here. So this one is brought to us by Nathan, who is a brother of the Night's Watch. Um, hey guys, I've been enjoying the pod for a while now, and as as well as the Lord of the Rings pod. I thought I'd ask you guys if you think the Night Fort will play an important role in the books. From my understanding, Stannis has garrisoned the Night Fort and begun rebuilding its defenses. It was the first fortress and chief seat of the Night's Watch for thousands of years. Could Stannis's men discover the ancient armory of dragonglass that the children of the forest gave yearly as tribute, other magical items, any chance that when the others breach the wall at East Watch by the Sea, they swoop in a loop and the final battle isn't at Winterfell, but at the Night Fort after the others conquered everything else north of the Neck. Uh, and then he provides some some history here. Now, we all know that the structure of the wall is inspired by Hadrian's Wall, but the Night's Watch is based off the uh, monastic military orders of medieval Europe, the most famous being the Knights Templar, Knights Hospitali- Hospitaliter, and the Teutonic, Teutonic Knights. The uh, Teutonic Order is the most similar to the Night's Watch, just like how the Watch govern the gift or new gift as an autonomous region. The Teutonic Order forged its own state in the Baltic region. Their brothers swore vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience to rule of the Order, battled against decentralized tribes in a constant war and raids and castle attacks. The Teutonic Order also specialized in winter warfare, where Crusader armies marched up frozen rivers like roads to fight deep in enemy territory. Both fought for larger ideals, uh, Christendom, and guarding the realms of men, but both ultimately developed a large loyalty to the organization itself, similar to For the Watch. The Night's Watch is my favorite aspect of the World of Ice and Fire, and I really love that Jon returned to the Watch. I don't think he went AWOL to be king beyond the Wall. I think he was helping Tormund find a new place to live. And I think it makes sense for the Watch to continue, as the others have been defeated before and returned. It would be foolhardy to think that your victory was the final victory. When has that ever been the end of fighting? Plus, this group of wildlings are cool, but the next generation would raid again. It's just how things are. The castle's rebuilt, rangers go ranging, and wildlings go wild. But I do wish that Jorah Mormont lived and joined the Watch to fulfill his father's dying wish. Maybe Jorah could be the 1,000th Lord Commander. I'll wrap this up by saying that 19 castles isn't that much by going by the monastic military's order standards, so it would be cool if we saw more Night's Watch castles beyond the wall, calling back to their glory days. Anyway, keep up the positive vibes. Nathan, brother of the Night's Watch, former commander of Far Top upon the Milkwater, now commander of East Watch by the Breach. Wow. I mean, so, kind of uh, the idea that they would come around East Watch, destroy everything north of the Neck, and then circle back up to the night fort would be i feel i feel like once you're already past the wall and you've you've gotten down to the neck you might just continue on down maybe um uh, i i don't know unless there's some last final i i almost imagine that maybe the battle would would happen a little quicker there at the night fort perhaps mm-hmm. or maybe it doesn't happen you know, as, as we see in the show right with the with the dragon or the ice dragon and uh, we know that there's a magical gate that Sam has to, that he says his vow in front of the Black Gate and is able to get through there, that could be a way in which, um, 
you know, once brand is marked or something, uh, they're able to get through or someone else is marked, who knows, but there, there are, there's like a magical aspect to the night fort. So, mm-hmm. and it's, it's ancient, it's huge. Um, brands telling stories there when they're, when they, when they arrive there, kind of going over some of uh, old Nan's stories that kind of frightened him about the ruins there and things. So yeah, I don't know that I, it may it would make a lot of sense if if they had a battle there of, of some sorts with the, with the whites or the others, uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know thoughts, Sir Matt. You know, um, we've now that we've seen potentially many plot leaks, I guess, of the books, right? With with the show, we, we assume that some of it's got to probably happen similar ways. Uh, but so now we get to start picking and choosing and, and saying this. I don't think this is going to go like this in the books. I don't think it's going to like this in the books. One of the biggest ones is Stannis Baratheon. So as you and I are both yeah. uh, kind of under the you and I both, I think, believe Stannis might win this battle against Ramsey Bolton. Right, yes. Right. Stannis. Yeah. yeah. Stannis. Stannis may win win this fight. And let's in the event that does happen in the books. I think it would be more fitting and more of a push for possibly John to be this Azor High character if Stannis were to lose fighting the others. I think that would be a much bigger Okay. Yeah. Telling telling point to Melisandre, oh, I've made a big mistake. Okay. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. And because in the in the show Melisandre resurrects John after Stannis has died. It's after it's after Stannis has mm-hmm. ha, has has lost that she brings Jon Snow back. She feels broken and defeated, and uh, yeah. through Jon Snow's resurrection is where she gets her, uh, in a way, resurrected herself. Um, gotcha. Yeah. So I think that that's something different. You know, the hard home incident. Uh, is something that also doesn't happen in the books. It seems like that's what's going to be happening, right? Like Val, that's what Val is going to go bring mm-hmm. people south. It's not John. It's 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 Val and uh, and, and and Tormund. So mm-hmm. it's entirely possible that the knights that the others that we see that we see that scene go down, but John, it may, it may not be there. So it, I, I think it could, we could have something where Stannis tries to fight the others and that's how he loses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Now that you, and because if Stannis beats Ramsey and then you kind of tie up that storyline, I think the only way to really push that, because remember Sansa's is not there, right? Sansa's is mm-hmm. not the one that gets married to Ramsey in, in the yeah. books. Right. Right. So I think I think the other big aspect in the books you have is Lady Stoneheart. And I think th- it seems like George has has said she's a, an enormous role and that's going to play a much much bigger part mm-hmm. in the in 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 the final the final chapters uh or you know final two books. So a lot of those storylines we saw from the show, some of that stuff may not even be happening at all with our with our characters. So that's kind of how we have to go back when we start looking at at the book. So I think it's entirely possible that uh, Sir is it, it's a uh, Nick uh, 
or Nathan, Nathan here is mm-hmm. is is on to something, and that we will get a a, a big battle with the others. Because as you and I have talked about, you know, there isn't a Night King essentially mm-hmm. in in yeah. the books. There isn't a a centralized one central figure that we associate with the others. There is the Knights King, you know, the Thirteenth right. Lord Commander, and we've we've speculated about him possibly being the night king in in the books if one shows up i do believe that there will be a central figure of the white walkers you know whether it's the night king or not or it's just one uh you know kind of key figure that's kind of like the main the main guy of the of the knights of the uh, white walkers that they could end up fighting though so yeah i mean i mean we're gonna we're gonna see i but i i'm i'm certainly under the i certainly agree that we could have a a big battle with the others at, at, at the wall. At the night fort. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, as you say, we, we could still have someone emerge, uh, as like the night King or, or a leader, uh, of those, of those people. So that, that still could happen. Uh, it, it may not, it may just have been easier storytelling, uh, in the TV show, but, uh, we, yeah, we shall see there for sure. But I, I hope the night fort plays, uh, plays into it and there's a, there's an epic battle there they have to retreat there or, or uh reinforce it and somehow you know uh garrison it to full strength maybe if they could uh i don't know yeah the way it's being used right now i mean it's uh it's kind of in the hands of the uh baratheons and stuff so we shall see yeah mm-hmm. all right okay. let's move on here uh who, who, who we have so many kid? ravens so yeah we kind of have to move yeah we can't spend these. too much time yeah, yeah yeah and they're actually a little bit longer so uh, here we go. Hello. Uh, I love the podcast so much. I'll try to keep this short. First off, I want to start by saying that I absolutely love this show as a whole and will rewatch. Loving the show uh, has turned me to the books, which I am now in the middle of the third and am really happy with them so far as well. Uh, the acting also was so incredible, uh, so incredibly awesome, and I thought that everyone did a phenomenal job with their characters. Agreed. I thought that as well, uh, that the acting was was superb. Um, so in no way uh, do I mean any disrespect, uh, but I was very heartbroken by the ending in many ways. I really wanted to see Danny's, uh, Daenerys's rule over the Seven Kingdoms. Her and Arya have been my favorites since the beginning. I uh, really was unhappy with the way they made her seem so batshit crazy. I mean, yeah, there was the King's um, Landing Massacre, Without getting too political, I'm sure that the U.S. has massacred plenty of innocents while at war, not justifying killing innocent children, just stating that it's not something we've never seen before. I felt like the show made it seem like losing uh, a J- losing John's love was her breaking point. This saddened me because for someone who has come such a long way and seen so much, it seems so weak that she forgot uh, what all this time has taught her okay about men i guess uh, and actually true when you think back about the way she's you know she's gone through uh several and even in the book she's got a a couple of different um <laughs> uh, what, what, what do you call them uh, uh quarters people people at court who are, are looking to you know uh seek right. her hand Su- in marriage suitors. And things. Yeah, suitors suitors that's the word yeah uh so Anyways, uh, didn't really like this stereotype. John would be dead ten times over if it wasn't for her. Tormund. Oh, yeah, John's so crazy he rides a dragon. Uh, my queen gave life to dragons. 
I digress. <laughs> uh, a lot of people knew that she had really lost it when she said they don't get to choose when talking to John in the throne room, which ultimately led to him killing her. I really disagree with this. I feel like when she said this, she meant no slavery, no, no slavery, no killing, no raping, no stealing and all that jazz. Uh, they don't get to choose the law. From what we know of the laws she wanted, they all are just, uh, quote, they don't get to choose, as in lawbreakers uh, shall be punished. So so the idea here is that um, we're making the case that the phrasing there that they don't get to choose is about the way in which they're ruled or the way in which, like these laws, that there is no choice, this is the way it's going to be uh, concerning, you know, the new governance, I guess. I'm sorry, but that doesn't seem to that doesn't seem so different from the society we live in today. There are laws that, if broken, you will be put in jail. A place, uh, a place where you are a slave. Is her idea so different than what we have in today's society? As I would have loved to have seen Cersei live and be captured at the end. Um, yeah, I was okay. Cersei live, be captured at the end, and live to the rest of her days in the dungeons. Imagine that opening scene where you hear Cersei talking about every time a Targaryen is born, the gods flip a coin and whatnot. Well, picture her repeating that and all of the other things she used to say as queen, gone mad, locked in the dungeons to rule the rats, reminiscent of the time she locked away, she was locked away before her atonement, and Jamie, and Jamie is a bitch for what he did to Brienne from no one. <laughs> Okay, a lot, of, a lot of strong opinions there uh, about about the show and about the ending there. Um, truly a a Danny fan here, definitely. Mm. This is her queen, um, his or her queen. No one's queen. I don't know, but uh, I don't know. I mean, there's 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 yeah, there's there's a lot there. There are several more Ravens too, where people are making the case that like. Uh, she's burning innocence, and it's it is something that uh, she's done before, and so maybe it's not, maybe it wasn't as um, abrupt as as some people thought. Uh, but again, whether it's subtlety here at the very in the last season or subtlety early on, there's just a lot of subtlety that y- y- things that you miss. Whether it was in the f- season four, or it's right now in season eight. But uh, concerning these characters, there there's a lot of layers to kind of um, un- unravel, I guess. So. I don't know. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's saying a lot. And and, and Jamie, I mean, again, uh, that's tough too. That was tough to kind of swallow. I really wanted him to stay there as well, but uh, you know, he's I don't know. He's he's in love with Cersei, and and, and it is what it is. He had to go back to her. So but. yeah, I mean, he did, he did it for his family, and I'm I'm with you. I think I think there is a lot of foreshadowing to Danny going mad. I think where Tyrion uses the lines, we watched her do this, we we watched her do that. Um, mm-hmm. And we we stood and cheered uh, again. You know, we, we've talked about this uh, so many so much at this point that it just it needed to be a little bit longer. We needed about one or two more episodes at least. And then you could have really built that, um, you know, see her see her how she's really changed over the loss of of Jorah. Um, yeah, we we yep. get, we get we in episode five. We get her where she just seems broken uh, after, you know, after Masande's death. We needed we needed something like that with with Jorah as well, and I think that would have really helped. Okay, now we can see it a little bit more. Um, we see her with with seeing John be loved, and she says she doesn't have that, but 
with you know essentially zero dialogue in episode three and, and episode three being just one enormous battle you lose out a lot of that a, uh, a lot of storytelling uh-huh yeah i mean it's still right. amazing i love that episode but just in terms of what it did to the season it ate, it ate up a lot of time and when we were already on limited time you didn't have a lot to tell sto- a story with so you you cut you cut into that and i think that that would have made danny's uh dive into madness a little more uh a little more believable for some people i think a lot of people felt she had that sort of that 180 180 turn you know i i think one of the reasons not to cut you off but one of the reasons why people think that is the first three episodes and even at the very end there she is in love with john and she at the end of last the season seven so leading into this she's uh even though she does some some bad stuff there with with uh oh gosh the the tarley's house tarley and things like that and, and taking uh some of the prisoners in like she fights this battle the battle of winterfell and she's on the right side of things there so she's doing good she's she's on the right side of this and cersei is not and the lannisters aren't and then all of a sudden there's this there's this uh there's this switch so even though stuff had happened seasons ago it's like we kind of forget about that because of all the good things she was doing in the first couple episodes if that makes sense so absolutely yeah absolutely i mean we and i really like what she says about the the not getting to choose um Uh you know because danny did say that well the slave masters don't get to choose the laws and we saw how that kind of you know that 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 hurt her before but they yeah. don't get it. They want it. They and then and then she had to kind of struggle with that with with slavery and or in the and the fighting pits, and then she decides to open it and it well, didn't end up being a great idea. So, um, yeah, for her yeah. for that to ultimately be her downfall, uh, I, I don't know. I I I kind of thought it was, it 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 was good. But there, I can I can still see people saying there's just not enough of it. Mm-hmm. There's yeah, just, there's just not enough of it. Yeah. Sure. Now, one thing I I do agree with uh, with no one here. I uh, agree with the idea that I would have liked to have seen Danny rule the Seven Kingdoms. Actually, it would have been. It's one of those things you think about, like, well, what if? What would it have looked like? Uh, she does kind of give you some idea of of her plans, and that's ultimately why John says no to that, and you know, uh, plunges a dagger into her. But it, it I I would have liked to have seen what what how her rule would have been. So absolutely. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay. Uh, on read, on to uh, Lord Blue, Lord uh, Blue Stingray here. Go ahead. All right, gents. I completely jumped off the Danny bandwagon when she started executing people seasons ago. People tend to forget that burning people alive is an atrocity. So bad that John gave the King Beyond the Wall Mance Raider a mercy kill. That is true. Then there's the crucifying and burying alive. Some say that the problem was how D&D rushed her downfall, yet very few were bothered by any of these awful things she did at any point in the show. Most viewers simply wanted to like her. I think the backlash would have happened on any of these last few seasons, even with a slow maddening. I can see people complaining about how D&D were ruining the character um, any on on any season thoughts lord blue stingray he says it has 460 yeah. hp so i think he i think he, he's talking about a uh, his car there yeah <laughs> yeah uh uh so that i i thought I, this was kind of something we were we were hinting at earlier but the the idea is i mean 
yeah, if you like Danny and you, you, you like Danny so much, kind of like Tyrion, you like her so much and you believe in her because she seems better than, than Cersei at the time and, and she's freeing um, she's freeing slaves, but she's doing pretty terrible things to uh, the slave masters and, and, and to others along the way. You, you, you know, it's, it's sort of, you overlook it. And I mean, now it's it's like she she does she kind of goes i don't know full bore she she with the with the burning of of innocence in king's landing now everyone's kind of like wow she's she's really lost it uh some people still like her as you know no one pointed out here above that hey so what i mean you is burning up the city maybe it was time to uh air quote break the wheel and and it's time to to start over start everything over torch the place it's it's hers to burn anyways by rights the Targaryens you know it's it's theirs, so uh, the whole reason King's Landing is there is because King Aegon the Conqueror you know landed there Sir Matt I mean hey how often do we see sports teams say all right it's time to fire sale the team and go into complete rebuild mode that's all she was doing yeah, that's all she was doing I don't, <laughs> I don't she, know why she had, <laughs> she had a legit fire sale and right. was like all right we're gonna rebuild this from the ground up right yep. You know, yep, she's, so, just, she's just she's just trying to be the New York Knicks. There's nothing wrong with that. OK, right. Yeah. Now, the the crazy thing is, is when you put her next to John, I think that's when Tyrion and Varys and everyone else starts to kind of say, OK, in comparison, we were comparing her to Cersei before. Probably not a good, you know, we don't want either either one of those leaders. Really, we want John. And when you look at it, John doesn't want the throne, what have you. But uh, he's not maybe the best player of the Game of Thrones, if you will. So, but he's a, he's a better person, I guess, and, uh, has a better moral compass, maybe D- depending yeah. if you're, if you're following, you know, what vows you're, you're under, you know what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. So, but no, I think it was, this was a really good point. So, because some people are just going to be mad regardless because their character arc didn't, it didn't turn out the way they wanted it to Same, you know, the, the Jamie thing, we were talking to Lady Mallory uh, in our collaboration a couple of days ago and, it's like that it it actually kind of makes sense that he would go back to Cersei but it's not it's not what you want and so therefore you're not happy with it even though it it actually probably does make sense and in reality that's probably what he would have done so i mean he, it is what he did in the show but I'm just thinking about um you know if this were real life which it is yeah. to me so yeah so <laughs> uh okay all right uh Debbie A Sir Ezra yeah, uh, I'm new to your podcast and find it extremely enjoyable. I want to share a perspective on how I view Danny's path to her ultimate mental break. If you track it way back to when she was so horrified when one of the dragons accidentally killed the farmer slash shepherd's child, don't recall what season, uh, to her burning the slaves and then, or the slavers, burning the slavers and then burning Sam's father and brother. She gradually was able to rationalize the escalating levels of violence. When she lost Jorah and her friend and confidant was beheaded in such a cruel and vicious way, she snapped. And it was a short trip from there to uh, indiscriminately killing everyone, children included. It's, it certainly doesn't speak well to the writer's opinions of human nature, but we've seen it happen in the real world throughout history. The Crusaders and the Holocaust are prime examples of this. These are just my thoughts. Thanks for all you do, Debbie. 
Uh, so Lady Debbie, I mean, yeah, like th- there, there's the contrast, right? And that you know she's horrified that the that the dragons would accidentally kill the shepherd's child, and uh, but then okay with burning the slavers uh, before that, actually, right? And uh, then, uh, I mean, then she she justifies when again she she even before that though. So when she first burns the slavers and then go move flash forward to uh, Sam's father and brother, there's good reason, I guess, in her mind for doing those things. Uh, whereas the other, when, it, when the, the dragon is just being a dragon, though, at the same time, I mean, even though she's horrified by it, the dragon's just, you know, doing what a dragon does. And I think by the end, the idea is that she is, she is the true dragon. The, the, the dragon has a wake. She has become one uh, with Drogo, Dr- Drogon. And, uh, so, you know, yeah, she she does what a dragon does. Yeah. Burns them. She she burns she burns it down. Um Yeah, I I think you know, I I think her snap um would have been I think I think had they had they had a few more lines about I really like the line when she was talking to Sansa. It's like I'm here fighting Jon's war. Um, and then when she's having that conversation with John about please don't tell her because it's the Iron Throne, uh-huh. I think if if Danny had said some things like, after all I've done for you, you know, like I lost, okay. I lost, I lost a dragon because of you. Yeah, I lost, yep. and this is before she loses the second one. Uh, but that's, I mean, that's kind of on her own. But still, I mean, she's so she's she's like I lost a dragon because because I I wanted to fight I wanted to fight your your war for you, John. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I lost Jorah Mormont because right. I wanted to, because I helped, I helped you fight your war. I think that would have, could have really pushed it more. It would have given like literally just those two lines could have really amped up the situation of, of why we see her going into that. There's, there's hints when she when she I think when she looks at John and she sees people don't cheer for her the same way mm-hmm. that that was a good hint but it's just so fast paced that it, it loses it because you know the the rest of the show has been so not like long and drawn out but there's been hints and hints and hints and you really see that story building so when the big moment finally happens think about how powerful of a moment it is when Tyrion kills his father mm-hmm. right yeah. we have seen we have seen um, since I think it's about, I think it's, it's like episode season. It's probably episode eight, I think. Right. Uh, when, mm-hmm. when Tyrion shows up and he gets the, the tribe or he, he, he bring, he's bringing the tribes with him when he has that first kind of conversation with, Oh uh, yeah. You mean with his father? Yeah. With his father. I think it's around there in season one, but in the book, you know, same thing when he, he shows up and, and he's having, that's when we first see him talking to, uh, you know, to Tywin. Mm-hmm. When, I mean, uh, when he had when he he kicks him out of court, we learn about all of the all of the things that his his dad had his dad has done to him, the relationship he has with him. You know, it's a building building effect. So when he kills his 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 dad, it's such a monumental moment because we've had hints of it just about every time we've see, we see Tyrion and his dad throughout throughout those first four seasons. Whereas Danny's snap to a lot of people feels so sudden. Mm-hmm. And so even though there have been hints, it's just because I think just because of the pace of the season, uh, it, it's just it's just really what caught people off guard. 
Well, and, and you keep, you, you know, you're using the word hints and that I, I go back to the subtlety because if, as you said, uh, when they're, when everyone's kind of you know, talking about John and, and she's, she's watching and she feels kind of alone and you see Varys kind of drift away and, or you see his, they flash to his face and he's, he's watching her, he's reading into to that behavior or, or trying to figure out what she's thinking and feeling, or he's just noticing something about her. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's there. It's just, and, and in hindsight, now you look back and you're like, okay, well, that's a, is that her, it, she, she's not really mad there. She's lonely, but so that's a part of it though. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. so anyways, yeah. it, it's, it's, it's the subtleness of the hints yeah. Well, and also the idea of of her, she's like, I've never, I've never been loved by the people mm-hmm. like John was. It, I mean, it in the show, it's it's it comes across as she sees John as as somewhat of a threat, right? And that's, but her wanting to be loved by the people is something that's never really been something she's sought after. She's sought after the throne. I don't think she's ever been, she's ever wanted to be loved as a ruler. But she has viewed herself because of the of the admiration she's had from the people mm-hmm. as as a liberator uh yeah and and you know what now that she's so far away from that and she's in a, she's in uh, back in westeros and it's not happening and she's not getting that same love and, and you're right she's trying to liberate air quote like a, a free people if you will air quote free <laughs> right i mean it's just well, it's that's just why, tougher that's yeah. why i think that's why i think those lines lines like look you know after all i've done for you with with john something something along those lines of like look what i lost yeah um, sure and then you know and she still doesn't get the love that john has and, and like, just like something like that would really it would it would create so much more story and so much more build for it because now it's you know i i i fought i, I did this fighting for you i lost i lost these people and not only are you, do you have a stronger claim than me? I've, you know, you're also get more love than me. And then it, then it also creates that situation where John does tell Sansa. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, technically John doesn't tell them. Uh, it's, it's a brand, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, yeah. but you, you know what I mean? Then it, it, that makes that, that, that scene so much, much bigger. You know, well, one thing I, I just thought of this when you were talking about whole, the whole where, uh, Tormund's, you know, patting him on the back and, and the guys are around him talking about how, you know, just, I don't know, she she has that moment where she looks at him, right? Or wasn't it just before that or, or whatever when she has her moment with uh, Gendry and makes no, it's, him... It's, it's just before that, when she when she names him. Yeah, yeah. Because it's still it's still pretty formal and then she names Gendry. Gendry gets up to go find Arya uh, right. and get, and get friend-zoned. Yeah. Um, Right, but, but look at the reaction she got from people when she did that. You know, yeah, people. Yeah, people that was, I think people thought that was a great move. But then she looks over and like what she's trying to do is impress like Sansa. It's like she wants certain people to love her and like her because that was a solid move and it seemed like uh, it was brownie points for her. But then moments later, John does nothing. You know, he he does he doesn't do. I mean, he just is who he is. He doesn't have to even try, and people love him i guess right so I, you know uh, another another line that would have been cool is at like because they once once danny has done it she has that she has that she pretty much just has two scenes right once she's once she's taking king lane she just has essentially two scenes where she one where she gives her speech and then two when she's talking to john um you, i mean if she had said something along the lines of you know like 
from from when I from when I was born, my brother Viserys always told me that the people had secretly been cheering for the Targaryens. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and and she's like, and and they still and they and now I see it like they cheer for me today, and you know they yeah. say like, well, that there's who's left to cheer, uh, yeah, something like right. that, like that, because like, that's I think that's what they they were trying to go with. And, yeah, uh, yeah, right. Exactly. You've killed all the people that supposedly were supposed to be cheering for you and and uh, that you're yeah, supposed think, to be rescuing. I th- and yeah, I think I think some people I think some people are. Um, May just may just use Danny as did they did they did the show writers make it a hundred percent abundantly clear that Danny, in her own mind, thinks she's doing something that is absolutely right. Yeah, right. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, because that's scarier. I mean, when when because at the end it did seem like that that she was justifying and stuff, but there they showed us in the moment where she where she kind of snaps and she's up on her dragon by herself. So we're kind of getting to see that what Danny's going through emotionally right there. And then later on, it's like she's justifying it. She's rationalizing. She's, you know, whatever, um, explaining it away. So. All right. Well, OK, let's move on this, here. All right. I think this next one is me. This is uh, Sir David. My lords, I for one enjoyed the season. Game of Thrones has been one of the most riveting shows ever, and as the seasons have come and gone, characters have died and storylines have become less complicated and less tangled. So for me, it makes sense that the last few seasons don't have the same complexities as the first few seasons. Listening to your podcast, you made a remark that you wanted Bran the Broken to use his three-eyed raven abilities to reset the events or possibly warg into a dragon. But if you do remember when he was being trained, his interaction with Hodor in the past was a mistake. When Bran visited his father, he went to rescue Lyanna from Rhaegar when he shouted, Father, the prior three-eyed raven, a.k.a. Uh, Blood Raven uh, from the books, condemned his actions. He is simply supposed to be a spectator and not a participant. So it makes sense that he did not use his abilities to change events or warg into anyone or anything. However, I would have loved a little nod to his powers during the final interaction with Jon Snow when Jon tells Bran that he is sorry for not being there with him. I would have loved to see Bran tell him, you know nothing, Jon Snow. You are exactly where you are supposed to be. I think little details like that would have added so much more to the scenes. I think the overall the ending was bittersweet. Sweet to see Tyrion, Davos, Sam, and Bronn all interacting. Sweet to see Sansa crowned queen in the north and Arya enjoying her independence. But it was bitter for Jon. He practically saved the realm twice, once by uniting the north to defeat the Night King and two by killing Daenerys. And then he is banished to the north, never to own any land or have a family of his own. No justice for Jon. I found the ending very satisfying. Great to see Yara, Robin, and Gendry one last time. Loved when Arya threatened to slit her throat and Sansa told her un- uncle to sit down. Stark ladies slay. <laughs> In today's society where theories on social media run rampant, it's hard not to be influenced because some of the theories are amazing. So I think that leads people to disappointment. I, for one, try to avoid all of these theories. If not, then Bran would be the Night King. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Looking yeah, yeah. forward to continuing your podcast and also checking out your Star Wars podcast. May the Force be with you because the night is dark and full of terrors, Sir David. True, so, true. Yeah, that is, and that's something that we talked about before, Sir Ezra. I think one of the one of the biggest one of the things that has been so unique about this is we get we get used to with movies and television shows 
waiting a certain amount of time, right? For the next the next installment. With movies, it's usually uh, it, well, it, at least it used to be we would a movie would come out and you'd have to wait 2 to 3 years for the next one. But now there because the fandoms are so large, there's there's always a new movie coming out and it's tying into something. I mean, just look at Avengers or even the DC movies. There's the after credit scenes, right? Mm-hmm. Even in even in Star Wars, we've had a Star Wars movie about every other year at this for since since they've since they've mm-hmm. come back. Well, and then you have the Han Solo movie, which wasn't even a year later, it was like four months later. Right. So so you know, there's always there's always been that that next installment or that next little tease. But Game of Thrones went essentially two years without anything. So the hype was so big for the final season. What's going to happen? And you have the buildup from the books because of the situation we're in where the books aren't there. So it's not like we have source material to go off of. Yeah. Um, you, when the Lord of the Rings movies came out, like we knew all you got to do is go read the books if you want to know what happens. When the yes, Twilight right. when the Twilight movies or Harry Potter or any of these other big book to, to movies, uh, you know, Hunger Games, all that stuff had the books, so you could go read the books, and then you would yep. know you would know what happened. Game of Thrones hasn't been that way. That's and, yeah. that, and and so much of the fun has been speculating because we've always felt for the longest time no character is safe. Uh-huh. So I think it. I think the the time off really did lead to massive, massive buildup, and then their promotions too. Because it's it's not it's not like it's it, it was ever a show that was all right. These are the good guys. These are the bad guys, and we kind of know what's going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. So let's let's like let's take Star Wars for example. So I think it's pretty safe to assume you know Ray in Star Wars probably going to live, right? I think that's I think that's I think yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that, I think that's I think that's a pretty safe assumption, right? Right in. In Avengers, you're kind of like, I think it's pretty safe to assume the majority of our characters are going to make it out, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Mostly because they've announced the next 30 years worth of movies and all of those characters yeah. are, are in it. But right. with Game of Thrones, the promotional imi- the promotions have never been, here's the good guys versus the bad guys. It's, here's all of the characters sitting on the Iron Throne. Who's going to win? Yeah. So the, even, yeah. The, even the even the buildup from the, from the show showrunners and and hbo has been only one can sit the throne who is it gonna be right and everyone has their favorite characters so i think that's another thing is you were never gonna have fans who who were happy Mm -hmm. and i think i think the time off and as uh sir david's saying here with the with the social media it just you the build-up just gets so big to where just it leads to disappointment well, let's go back to the Crips of Winterfell for crying out loud. I mean, absolutely, we were on that for two to three weeks. Like, okay, what you know, something huge. The the Night King's coming there to unleash something or someone or whatever. And it just there's nothing really. It's just John's heritage a little bit, and some of the dead wake up there, which is which is crazy. So. Yeah, I, I totally, I totally agree here with with Sir David. Just the idea, like the as you say, the hype and everything was was so crazy. I mean, we even had a promo from the showrunners about the our our three Starks, you know, down in the crypts, turning and seeing winter Absolutely. creeping up and stuff. So it's like, yeah, we were building that up in our minds. We thought that was going to play like a much bigger mm-hmm. role, or it was going to be something huge. We were talking about the size of the crypts 
underneath Winterfell, and we were just well, going nuts. And, and it wasn't just one storyline. It was uh-huh. two. It was two storylines: the the Night King and and Cersei. And our, you and I, and I think a lot of people thought for the longest time it would. I mean, there were so many people said the Night King is going to sit the throne. Uh, you, yeah. know, you know, essentially, or or just win or kill everyone, and everyone everyone's sure. going to everyone's going to die. And so there was there was two storylines that for the longest time I would say the large majority of people would feel that it, it could end with not just who's going to sit the Iron Throne, what character, but is the are they even going to beat the Night King? Mm-hmm. No, or how how is how is that going to play? So there was so much of it was so wide open, um, yeah. more so than I can think for a, for a lot of. A, a, a lot of, of, of content um, and, and it's, and it's kind of final moments. Right. Right. Yeah. Yep. For sure. Okay. Uh, all right. Let's move on here to uh, Lady Meg of Scotland. There we go. Uh, just rewatching season uh, three, episode three. There's this funny uh, parallel here with Tyrion uh, and awkward chair movement in the small council huge fan of the podcast just subscribe to hyperspace hangout wow everyone should be subscribing to hyperspace (laughs) hangout by the way so but uh yeah i mean that that was one i actually uh was thinking he does have a couple awkward moments with chairs and that uh that council that council um table so yeah just quick shout out to her and uh, we appreciate the the love and support so yes uh, all right yeah Let's move on here. I think we have uh, Lady Lady uh, Rihanna. Um, got uh, a raven from her. Uh, Sir Ezra and Sir Matt, I discovered your podcast at the beginning of season eight and have been a faithful listener each week. I've been stewing over the series finale for several days now, and I have a lot of theories that I just need to put out there. First, is Bran slash the three-eyed raven actually evil? Question mark. I fully believe at this point that he is. Wow. Uh, we know that Bran had some ability to see the future prior to becoming uh, the Three-Eyed Raven, and we can only assume that he maintained uh, and extended upon that ability after becoming the actual Three-Eyed Raven. That means he knew Danny was going to destroy the city when he told John about his true parentage, and he set that wheel in motion so he could eventually become king. Second, despite Bran's inability to have children, we know that the Three-Eyed Raven can take over another body and make that person the Three-Eyed Raven. Um, so that, so what will stop him from doing just that? Oh, okay, I see. Uh, taking over someone else's body. <laughs> wow. Uh, and then setting that person up to be the next king over and over again. Wow. Over, wow, making himself king for the rest of time? Question mark. That's... That'd be wild. Third, I strongly believe that Sansa knows all of this, and that's why she chose to make the North independent. With a Stark and the actual heir to Winterfell on the throne, there was really no need for her to do that unless she knows that Bran is evil. Huh. Uh, She, more so than any other character, was able to see the true nature of those around her. She figured out what Littlefinger was up to. She knew Cersei was never going to send her army north, and she spotted the evil in Danny before literally anyone else. So it makes sense that she would also see Bran's true nature as well. Personally, I think she was the only person truly deserving of the throne at the end of the series, but I'll save that for another raven. Amen. 
yeah. Uh, thank you for all the work you put into the podcast. I look forward to following along with your reread once uh, I begin my own reread of the series in the coming months. Best wishes. So that's, I mean, we actually uh, eventually will we'll get back into the books and, and talk about what we think the three-eyed crow really is. And mm-hmm. it's not what is what I believe is is presented in the show. So that, so that's interesting. There, there is something going on. There's some misle- misleading elements and uh, misleading. There's really, if you pay close attention to the brand, ta- uh, brand chapters, there's definitely something else going on with uh, Mira Jojen while he's having his visions. Where are they? What's what really happens to them? Uh, who is the three-eyed crow? What is the three-eyed crow is a great question in the books. So anyways, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Why, why didn't he say something about Danny destroying the, the, the city if he knew that was going to happen? Sir Matt, did he know it was going to happen? I don't know if he knew it was going to happen. Um okay. I I think he probably saw it in in a bunch of in a bunch of things. Um, we've we've talked about the difference between green dreams, right, and and what Bran yep. sees. So when Bran, as the three eyed raven or or crow in, in, in the books, goes into the past, he sees he sees exactly what's going on. Sure, there's a difference between that and a green dream, which is something that you see. And it's somewhat misleading. It's it's more yeah. yeah it's 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 more symbolic. I think I think one of the easiest one to go to, which we've we brought up before, is uh, Darren Targaryen, and the the Hedge Knight. Right, the first the first installment in the right. Night of Seven Kingdoms, the Dunkin' Egg series. Highly recommend everyone goes and checks that out. We've talked about it a bunch, but Darren Targaryen is drunk at a tavern, and and Sir Duncan the Tall. Uh, he's not Sir. Uh, he he walks in and Darren says, I saw you in a dream kill a dragon. And so that doesn't mean that Dunk actually kills a, a dragon. What yep. ends up ha- what ends up happening is Baylor Breakspear dies in a tournament fighting for Duncan the Tall, and it's a trial by combat. Yeah, um and trial by seven. And yep. so because of Dunk's actions, a dragon dies. So I think that there is a difference between green dreams and what the three-eyed crow slash raven can do. And so I don't know if just because Bran saw that thing one time doesn't necessarily mean that he remembers it or that he thinks it has symbolic nature in the future. It could just be a, well, a, a mess, a mess of jumbled of jumbled things. Yeah, it, it seems like, I mean, because Darren was, he, he kind of misinterpreted. He actually thought that, it had to do with him specifically too, even for a little bit. Like he was with Dunk, right. he was a little bit worried. So it's like you can misinterpret your dream. And I actually think uh, Helen Reed and Jojen in the books, there may be some misinterpretation there, actually, and may be misled by 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 someone. So that's a whole other. We'll cover that in our Patreon series. We have a pretty big series coming up soon where we're going to talk about um, green dreams and the nature of the three-eyed raven and, or three-eyed crow and what have you. But, yeah, it is hard to kind of... They do imply in the show that he knew he would be there. That's why he came all the way down, but it doesn't necessarily... You know, maybe, maybe he comes all the way down there after uh, Danny has done what she's done. Maybe he didn't see that part, but then 
he, he's able to see that he'll be chosen as king. So, because it's not like he's all knowing and he can predict the very next move you're going to make or the next thing you're going to say. Uh, that's not really what his abilities are, I guess. So, yeah, it's it's a little bit more complex than that. So, but anyways, it, I think it is uh, an interesting point about Sansa being very perceptive and, and learning how to play the Game of Thrones, learning from Cersei, learning from Littlefinger, all of that. Uh, I really do like Sansa. And some people actually thought she was turning into the villain, that she was the one who was going to end up being the Mad Queen, if you will, at some point. Mm -hmm. There were theories about that for a while. So, but anyways, yeah. All right. So solid, solid Raven there. Thank you very much. Okay. This one is from CD, I guess. Yeah. Your uh, Game of Thrones podcasts are really entertaining and thoughtful. Thank you for that. I have mixed feelings regarding the finale and penultimate episodes, and here are my thoughts of those two episodes. Penultimate, which is the Bells. I was captivated by Daenerys for so many reasons, and the sudden jump to mass murder was tough because the showrunners portrayed Danny as mostly a compassionate person who had to make some tough calls. I felt like I was a victim of Stockholm Syndrome, and I had sided with my captor only to find out I was rooting for the wrong hero. The finale. It was just okay. After some of the story's threads were resolved, I was looking for more concrete versions of hope for the future after all the trauma for the main characters and the city of King's Landing. There were no love interests for any characters with the exception of Samwell and Gilly, which was from an earlier episode. Bran, who will not or cannot love. Brienne as Kingsguard, no. Podrick as Kingsguard, no. Gendry, nothing implied. Tyrion, nothing Braun, Hookers, possibly. Davos, no interest. Arya, no interest. Sansa, no interest. Jon, nothing implied, even if he abandons the Night's Watch. The only love I saw in the finale was between Durgon and Daenerys, and between Ghost and Jon. There will be no future generations of the Stark family. At the very least, I would have liked to see some survivors of King's Landing massacre hold each other as the promise for a future life together. But nope. It was a very cold-feeling show, much more bitter than sweet. Grey Worm's constant grumpy face was a good summary of the last episode. Thanks for reading, CD. P.S. The music and cinematography were amazing. Wow. The the, the grumpy face. <laughs> I I was getting quite... I was getting tired of Grey Worm there at the end. I love Grey Worm, actually. Clear up until all of this happens, but, uh, man, I was hoping John would, you know have at it and you know that's a good point about the uh, citizens of king's landing it would have been nice to see more uh more of that or, or to see some of the rebuilding happening or, or something did we see that i just i don't remember did they uh, show no, any re rebuilding not, of the city nope, or no not really okay yeah it just huh okay i mean it, it seemed like it had a you know happier feel there at the end uh but i just I don't know that we know what was going on. And yeah, this is a good point that all of, a lot of our characters, there is no major like love, uh, two characters who end up in love or whatever. It's, it's, it's almost a tragedy, right? John and Danny, uh, end up, John kills Danny and then he's, he's exiled, uh, essentially. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, so I guess, yeah, I, I, I think a lot of people would say that they have mixed feelings regarding the, the finale. Oh, because so, there were moments that, that, that I loved that I thought were really good. And, and actually, the moments that I liked, some people didn't like. You know, I liked uh, to see, I, li I like seeing Brienne write in the book. And I even thought, 
uh, some of the stuff with Bran there at the very end, you know, going and, and looking for the dragon and stuff that, that hint that there, that, um, you know, it's still out there and he could find it was, was cool. And some people hated that because they wanted to, you know, to actually see him do it. You know, <laughs> we keep wanting to see Bran do things and use his powers, but, um, yeah, we, 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 we just don't get to. So yeah, it's, it's mixed for sure. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, and, and I also here, I do think there will be future generations of Stark family members. I just don't think we got to see any of that. I mean, who knows what, what could happen? I mean, it's, as someone mentioned earlier, um, the white walkers come back, everything kind of the circle, the wheel keeps turning and, and what have you. So Sansa marries, maybe Arya gets done doing her, uh, adventuring and, you know, has has uh, who knows i mean so I, I in my mind i like to think that it continues on and and uh the stark family is strong so that's just my own imagination <laughs> so okay um on to uh let's see jeff of house wilson yep correct okay hello sirs i'm a new listener to the podcast and this is my first raven i'm a big fan of the show and your podcast and i'd like to share my thoughts with you i realize this might be long so feel free to pick and choose and summarize as you see fit i'll start by saying that i thought the final season did feel a little rushed and maybe not as fleshed out as it could have been that being said i liked how it ended uh it seems like it seems after reading social media posts on the show always a tricky thing that a majority a majority of people disliked it there are some things that could have uh, been done better, but there's a lot uh, that could have been far worse. Okay, I believe that there is enough foreshadowing to see where Danny would end up with her numerous uh, executions of her enemies over the course of the show. Uh, couple that with the seemingly single-minded focus of reclaiming Westeros and her increasing isolation from people she cares about, and it's not a stretch to see what that could do to someone's mental state. Another thing that people seem to be upset about is Danny's death scene. I believe everyone knew who was going to kill her and it wasn't a surprise when it happened. This was foreseen in her vision. People were also wondering why Drogon didn't kill John when he showed up. Um, you can see in that scene, the intelligence that Drogon has. He is not some dumb big animal but a true character with feelings and intelligence, and I absolutely loved it. You can see he is grieving for his dead mother and obviously very angry, but I think he knows who John is and what his heritage what his heritage is. He knows the fire won't hurt him, so he takes his anger out on his surroundings. I also believe that uh, while I'm sure he knows that John isn't exactly blameless, he blames the circumstances surrounding her death and sees the Iron Throne as a symbol of that, hence its destruction. You could also look at it uh, like he's saying in a fiery way, if my mother can't sit there, no one can. Either way, this shows a high level of intelligence that I thought was awesome. I like that the throne was melted. It went out the same way it was forged. It is a symbol of power that drives its seekers mad, and with it gone, in my eyes, it breaks the wheel that has been turning for centuries. The ending with the Starks, I believe, is fitted, is fitting for each of their characters. I'll start with John. I believe his happiest times in the show happened while he was north of the Wall with Ygritte. Uh, so going back to the Wall, 
or what's left of it, is something that he wouldn't be all that upset about. He also gets away from all politics, from all the politics that he hates. Uh, This was also foreshadowed a little bit when Tormund told him that he has the true north inside of him. He is going back to a place with better memories. Maybe not necessarily good memories, but certainly better ones. Uh, I have never really been a big fan of Sansa, but I will admit she does grow on me just a little as the series goes on. Her ending, I believe, is fitting because becoming a queen has always been something that she wanted, whether it was on the Iron Throne or in Winterfell. I tend to believe her saying that the North would be an independent kingdom was a way to fulfill that dream. However, the North does have a history of independence. They never really confronted... um, they're never really confronted with the rest of the kingdom uh, in all the time that they were ruled from King's Landing. So there is a, a precedent for that decision. Arya has been an, an embodiment of the North itself. She always marched to the beat of her own drum uh, and damn about anyone who tries to stop her. She is fearless and determined. In the beginning, she was motivated by avenging the deaths of her family members. And when that was done, she needed a new challenge. And I think her becoming an explorer is the perfect ending for her character. She said she had said on multiple occasions that she is not a lady. And if she were to stay either in King's Landing or Winterfell, I believe she would end up feeling trapped like having um, like living in a cage. While her relationship with Sansa has improved, I also believe that would change quickly if she stuck around. And finally, Bran, I honest, uh, honestly, he's the question mark in the whole story, so his arc is quite difficult to predict. That being said, I feel like he is the best choice to be king because of his unique abilities, because he is the embodiment of all man's memories. He knows the people the best, and I believe that he can help the people of the Seven Kingdoms far better than any king or queen who has come before. That's all I got. Thanks for your awesome podcast. Keep up the good work. Jeff of House Wilson. So there we have some satisfying, uh, satisfying endings, you know, for the, for the Starks to some, uh, or fitting, I should say, in, in his, to use his words, fitting endings. Um, you know, this is what I mean when, when I say you get like the mixed reaction, because you have some people who believe Bran is, is evil. He's evil mm-hmm. for, for what he's done. But then, for some, it's like he's going to do this. Uh, he's going to do great good for the realm and for the kingdoms. And and actually, Bloodraven, you go clear back to the Duncan Egg series. Maybe was doing what he thought was best for the realm, even though just, just like Varys. Yeah, it could be considered air quote evil, but yeah, it's it's for the realm. Mm-hmm. So, so is Varys the ultimate winner? <laughs> uh, you, I mean. And that he gets what he wants, or that that, that the realm is the, the realm. The realm is put in a better position. Put in a better position. I think if you think Bran is is doing that, then yeah, I, I guess he he did get what he what he wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just wish he would have. Uh, I mean, he he does help persuade Tyrion, who then helps persuade John. So yeah, I mean it's. Yeah, I don't know. I wish he would have had a, a bigger role or a bigger part. I mean, it, it was just so, so few lines from him. I felt like in this right. last last Brand, season. Brand is Brand is a character who misses an entire season as well. Yeah, and yeah. the only thing that gives me hope about that is, let's say it is in the books, it's going to be a, a character who misses I don't know an entire book, right? Uh huh. 
Well, yeah. then I guess my hopes of Stannis Baratheon, the one true king, sitting wow. on the throne in the end. Still, wow. That's what I'm taking from it. You know, it okay. is, in the books, it's it's going to be Stannis. No, I'm joking. But seriously. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 No, I yeah, I I agree. There's definitely like like you had said, Sir Ezra, the, the brand ending up sitting the Iron Throne is is something that um, you know, it's kind of a shocker. It just, and yeah. they just they just kind of decide there. I mean, there was hinting at it with with Tyrion talking to Bran throughout. Like he has mm-hmm. those he has those, he has those conversations with with Bran. Um, I yeah. just they're just they're just it's just hard to see he goes from. Uh, you I mean he does help he he does help Tyrion. So now you go back to like season season uh one right when he comes back from the wall and he says here's here's a saddle. Uh huh. Yeah. To to ride upon. Um, but right, there's just, yeah. there's just, there's no other real inter- interaction to, right. to kind of justify. So it, it, that was way more, that was felt way more sudden than even Danny's snap. Yeah, I get, yeah. Cause what is, how does, yeah. Tyrion's interactions, they are just right in this last season. Mm-hmm. So unless it's, unless, unless in, in the, if the books, it goes down the same way, I think, there's all kinds of hinting and cool theories that could end up playing it. You know, we, we've, we've talked so long about, um, I can't, I can't remember if we said this on a podcast or not, but we talked about the, the crow, Jorah Mormont's crow, right. And how it's, it's always saying corn and King sometimes. Yep. And we think that it's talking about John and what if it's Bran, who is the three eyed, you know, crow Uh in the books. Uh, and it's says King because Bran becomes the King. So like something like that, something like that happens in the books, uh-huh. I think it would be it would be super cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the that's the kind of subtleness though that that George is known for. I mean, just I mean, I'm I've I've gone as far as even looking at the difference between crows and ravens, you know, concerning the oh, three eyed yeah. crow Remember and, that and blood. It was, it, was, it was last summer where we 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 spent like three weeks on that, and people were finally like, "All right, guys, <laughs> I'm not done with it. I I'm still not done. I've got more." more digging to do there it's it's you know there's still a lot to uncover but yeah that was crazy that was crazy for a while okay uh let's see here Uh, this this one's mine i believe lord stephen of the land of endless fog good days my lord first raven been listening for a while now i'll keep this quick when Tyrion says who has a better story than brand the broken he isn't referring to his personal journey while the journey of is a great story it doesn't top the story of john or danny he is referring to all the stories he has to tell he knows everything that has happened he can tell the true story of westeros history i've even heard a lot of people saying other character stories are better agreed but read between the lines love the po- love the podcast lord stephen uh yeah um read between the lines the the story i mean bran kind of knows the truth like he he can go back and and give a true telling of of the histories uh, you know and now that we have that we can we get our game of thrones prequel show right we get to go back and and actually see how it all went down versus uh, uh hearing about it from some maester so yeah, I don't know. That's that. Yeah, I mean that's that's exactly what Tyrion is saying. It's not Bran, It's not just Bran's personal story, but all of the stories that Bran can tell. Because story stories can sometimes bring people together, and I think that's where I think that was what they were trying to go for. Yeah, it's just again one of my things w- with that is just 
how many people got that? You know, I mean, that's, it, 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 it takes a couple, it takes a rewatch or it takes, I don't know. I just feel like for the masses, it's, it's sometimes hard to see. So, but it's a good point. It's a really good point by Lord Stephen. I just, I just wish, uh, cause that's something until we read this, I hadn't really thought a whole lot about. I had, I had played along with some of the jokes that were made about, uh, people who have had a better story and, and, and things. Um, so yeah, <laughs> interesting, interesting point. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, let's move on here. We've got uh, Sir Gary uh, from Ireland here. Uh, says, uh, I started listening to your podcast at the, at the start of the season, and I've really enjoyed it. I'm not going to talk about season eight because it is what it is now. There's no changing it, Sir Matt. We can't change it, all right? As much as we, some people may want to, there's... there's no matter a, how many petitions they sign. Right, exactly. And, and be careful because, uh, you know... You'll get the cast all all upset at you, all right? Sophie Turner will be out there. She'll, you know, she'll be starting her own petition here soon. Uh, so I just wanted to talk about everyone's uh, love for Sansa, as uh, as I call her, Mini Cersei. Now, bef- before I go into details, um, to back up my opinion, Sansa spent a lot of time around Cersei, so it's safe to say she learned a lot from her. From the brief time we see Cersei as a child and the many times we see Sansa as a child, we can see similarities. Both are spoiled girls uh, who do um, everything right and put other people down to feel better about themselves. Okay, but uh, people say Sansa is fighting for her family like Cersei, but I don't believe this. Both want to win themselves, even if they have to use family members to do so. Now, my reason for this, my reasons for this are uh, we take Sansa's, we take Sansa moments Throughout the show slash book, and obviously with books unfinished, things could be different. Firstly, when Ned wants to get his daughters out of King's Landing in season one, all Sansa worries about is her own self-interest. I want to be queen. I know she was just a child, but she never changed. When Cersei told her to write a letter to Rob to come and bend the knee, she didn't have her family's interest in mind. She wanted to be queen. When her marriage falls through to Joffrey, she's happy, or is she? Uh, Sansa has been thought to lie. Sansa would uh, have easily married that monster to become queen, and probably killing him like Cersei does uh, had, had done to Robert. Let's move on from Sansa goes to Winterfell uh, to marry Ramsay. Why? Not in the books. As, Linger, as Littlefinger said, if Stannis wins the battle, he will make you Lady of Winterfell. Again, self-interest. When she realizes that Stannis lost, she escapes to John on the wall and tells him he must take back Winterfell. Now, I'm not going to go into the battle plans for the Battle of the Bastards, but Sansa has never led a battle or doesn't know the first thing about them, and she gives everyone advice. And she gives everyone advice uh, that it is nonsense. So Sansa had knowledge of the Vale. Coming to the battle, she doesn't control the army of the Vale, so no one or two things happened. Sansa told Littlefinger to manipulate Robin, or Littlefinger uh, told Sansa he was going to do it. Either way, the Vale army was kept a secret. Why? Because Sansa wanted Jon to die in the battle and thus use Jon. Then use the Vale army to win the battle, and we would end up with Sansa as the Lady of Winterfell. 
Sorry about the long raven. These are my opinions and I could go on. I hope you get the chance to read it. Uh, in the end, it worked out for Mini Cersei and everyone seems happy besides me. <laughs> I would love to hear your arguments on these opinions and look forward to future podcasts as a book reader. Thanks for the podcast, Sir Gary. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I've actually seen a, a couple of different people kind of say that, uh, that perhaps during the Battle of the Bastards, she hoped that John would not make it. Or that there's a moment where it looks like she is okay with him dying. And maybe she waited or she, she withheld that information so that she could, uh, you know, John and his forces would go in there and just weaken the army, maybe draw them out. And then she comes in and this flanking maneuver kind of like Stannis did north of the wall. And that was really her plan when no one was listening to her give battle plans, you know, uh, back at the wall. So I don't know. I don't, I mean, I don't necessarily think she's, I think she's just hardened. I think she's hardened and she's learned and she has contingency plans and she's that has backup plans perhaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're not going to listen, then maybe she's going to prove it to you, I guess. So she keeps saying that she knows Ramsey and she knows that he's going to try to, you know, draw John out there. No one seems to listen. No one's taking her advice because she knows Ramsey better than the better than anybody else. And, and that, all of that, all of that setup is just so bizarre because it's not, going to even come close to happening that way is it in the books i mean not even close so no i don't think so at all she won't have that knowledge really um as far as i know so yeah that'll be interesting to see i still think the veil will show up and 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 help out for sure um but yeah yeah when when sansa does that i i don't think it's necessarily i I see what i see that that sh- like that shot that shot of her that everyone thinks so but remember john hasn't been proclaimed king in the north yet because they haven't won that battle i think she has far bigger reason to distrust john after he's proclaimed king in the north she's the one that convinces him to fight because he doesn't even want to remember he says i'm tired of fighting she's like, well, well we have to take back our home um, yeah when they when they when they first meet, that's almost like their first thing. It's like they hug and they say, "Okay, it's time to take." She's like, "It's okay, it's time to take back Winterfell." Yeah, yeah. Well, and that kind of feeds into what Sir Gary is saying is that Sansa just wants to set herself up as the Lady of Winterfell and 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 things like that. I don't really know, though, that she does. I I just think she's hardened and she's learned a lot from these different situations, and she does believe. She is one of the smartest people out there now. She's learned from Cersei. She's learned from Littlefinger. Uh, she used to think Tyrion was one of the smartest people. She was married to Tyrion for a little while, so maybe she picked up something there too. So I can definitely see how she would turn into, as Sir Gary says, a mini Cersei. But wow, I, you know, I it, I don't know. Uh, there there are a lot of people though that that think that Sansa is kind of gonna turn into a character we don't necessarily like. She's this whiny, you know, spoiled brat, I guess, to start, and then she gets hardened. We kind of root for her, but then she's she's so hardened that she has a heart of stone herself, you know, a lot like mm-hmm. her mother. So. Yeah, I, I've always said that I, I thought it, it would be almost most poetic if it was Sansa that beat Cersei. Since Sansa, since Cersei is arguably the best at playing the Game of Thrones, and then it's it's Sansa who is the little bird, 
who ends up learning how to play the game. That's kind of her her story arc, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you, yeah. You just even in the show, think to that scene where she's telling she's telling about how Peter Baelish saved her, right? When when uh, Lady Aaron gets kicked through the moon door, and yeah. Asking her about about the death and and her possible involvement in it, right? And whether right. or not they sh- and whether or not they should, uh, you know, they should save Baelish. And uh, she ends up saving him, and she, then she's crying, and she just looks at him, right? And she basically says right. to him, "Oh, I've I've learned how to play the game." Yeah. Yep. Right. Yeah. So does that make her a bad guy, though? Does that make no, I don't her? Think so. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it. I can see where it's 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 the ebb and flow of of a of a character's arc, right? I mean. Because I can see where at moments maybe they wanted you to kind of think it is Game of Thrones, right? So everyone for themselves, who's well, going to sit the throne? Um, it might seem like she's turning bad, but really she's not. She's just doing she's doing what Cersei's done, which is to protect her family, take care of you know um, her home. So well, the, the term "bad guy" in Game of Thrones, w- w- relating to anybody but the Night King, is a pretty loose kind of term to throw around because it's all about mm-hmm. perspective right in the in the books once you start to get those cersei chapters you almost start to feel bad for her you almost start to see oh, yeah. about how how messed up it is that you know robert baratheon she makes robert baratheon who we kind of view as a good guy start to look as a bad guy right mm-hmm. she yeah. is well on her wedding night supposed to be the best night of her life she just married the king robert baratheon's talking about another woman and how uh-huh. and how much of an impact that had on her uh, in the show, when when Cersei's deal, when Cersei's fighting the Faith, we suddenly start to find ourselves rooting for Cersei, right? And from right. you know from from Grey Worm's perspective, John is a villain. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's hard. I think it's it's difficult to use that term. Bad. That's, guy. that's the whole. That, that's the whole thing, though. Is is that uh, as you say, is is characters being ambiguous in a sense? Um, you've got. I said this when we first started the season that we're now rooting for for Jamie Lannister who pushes Bran out the window mm-hmm. in episode one, and we're all stoked because he's headed to this. He's a good guy now, and then he know. goes back to. I've been back to. Ja- his, I've been rooting for Jamie since season one. So well, okay, all right, well, true, true. House Lannister over there. I, I hear you. <laughs> But you I, know, it, it's it, it's hard to pin a character down as to good or bad or what have you. So. So, uh, okay, let's move on to the next one here. This is from Sir W of House Stewart. Thanks for the podcast. Agree with your assessment that the show's issues were more related to the speed and execution than the actual events. As I have always felt the story arcs between the books and the movie and the movies get to the same point just by different paths slash people. Here's an example of where the execution could have been better in the final episode. In my opinion, Grey Worm was just as far over the edge as Danny and would have reacted in shock to John killing Danny. Therefore, it seems most likely Grey Worm would have heard the dragon and ran up and confronted John. The ensuing battle would have killed Grey Worm, John, or both. However, a feasible scenario is that a stalemate of the two great warriors. Arya would have inter- uh, interceded. Flashback to Helen Reed and killed Grey Worm by surprise. Arya and John would have then escaped. It would make per- it would make sense for the leaderless, unsullied, and Dothraki army to surrender and accept a peaceful exit by boats from Westeros, especially when confronted by John and Arya, leading the remaining armies of the North, and even more so if Varys's letters had made the rounds and the armies were coming every day to join John. 
A freed Tyrion would have called for the heads of remaining families to come for an emergency council to crown John king. However, as we know, John does not want to be king. Therefore, he would complete the Targaryen cycle by abdicating the throne, the crown, uh, which is already which, with the Iron Throne already destroyed by Dragonfire, and John would ask the council to select a new ruler. In this case, the show would have ended nearly as it did with Bran, King of the Six Kingdoms, Sansa, Queen of the North, Arya off on adventures, and John having utilized his true identity to establish the credibility of Bran as king, choosing to go by choice in search of ghost. To me, this is scenario. Uh, this scenario just makes the events more believable and legitimate, and the abruptness of how the show actually showed it. Uh, it is the handling of these transitions that were the most frustrating. Sir W of House Stewart agreed. Uh, agre- agreed. That I mean, this th- this is why I, I wanted to put this here towards the. This is kind of uh, these last two ravens are ways in which you could have ended the show that would have been awesome. That would have been epic if if Arya comes out of nowhere and helps to kill Grey Worm, and then yeah, they're they're leaderless, so it's sort of like okay, what do you do? It's kind of a stalemate between the two armies. Do we want more bloodshed? No, let's just go back home. Our queen is dead. Our our commander, our, our war chief is is dead in Grey Worm. So we're we're going home. I mean, that's that would have been that would have made sense. And then uh, John John actually getting the, him being a Targaryen seems to matter more in this scenario. So uh, Sir W, I, I love it. I love this. This is this is great. And I kind of wish. Kind of wish that's how it would have went. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I don't know. There's also one last way in which I think it it could have gone here. So uh, this is uh, Lady Megan. Uh, Lady Megan says, "Hey guys, so I hated the ending. She hated it. All right. Mm-hmm. However, my husband had a good i had a good add on to the ending that honestly would have made me feel so differently towards it. If after Podrick walks away with Bran." He puts Bran in his room and leaves him alone. Then Bran gets up out of his chair, walks over to the window, and says, quote, that's how you play the Game of Thrones, end quote. I honestly would have then loved the ending. That, to me, would have been the Hodor moment we all wanted, Lady Megan. Wow. I mean that. It, you know it, I that mean, or I've seen a lot. Of, I've seen a lot of people say uh, really quick, sir. Is there, um, yeah, that brand we get a, like a similar scene, but Brand's eyes just turn blue. Oh yeah! Wow, wow, that would have been crazy too. Yeah, something like that. That you're just like, wait, what? If he would have stood up out of the, imagine, imagine if he would have stood up out of the chair though. Like I, like why would that? It wouldn't have made sense. We would have been going back through the whole series to try to figure out why he stood up and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. Would have been crazy, but, uh, yeah, that, that it's just things like that. That was kind of the moment that you're looking for. You're like, where, where was that moment? But, uh, you know, going, going back, I remember in season, in season two, after, after Ned had died and, you know, in, in clash of Uh Kings as as well in the books thinking, okay, it's going to come down to Bran and Joffrey. Uh, yeah, is, I remember you saying is, that. Yeah, I, is for the longest time uh, when I was when we were first we were first into this. That's what I was thinking. I was like, all right, it's gonna come down to Brandon Joffrey at the end. And yeah, I, I was like, that'd be pretty cool, especially once Rob died. I was like, oh okay, it's gonna end right. Brand Brandon Joffrey, and uh, then Joffrey died. And I was like, okay, well this this theory's not at the water. So there was <laughs> definitely there was definitely yeah. a moment back early on when I thought, oh, this could end with Brand beating beating yeah. Joffrey because yeah. they're both young and it's their houses and they're warring and. Um, right. Yeah, but obviously that 
that didn't go the way, but uh, my thought process back then of, of it was cool. It was a cool of, thought though. Of, yeah, of Bran sitting, possibly sitting on the Iron throne, did come true. Just not at all how I thought it would happen. Right, right. So, anyways, yeah, I think again going going back to it, it's we have so many different cool ideas and ways in which it which it could end. And uh, although the books will be similar, I think they still will be vastly different. And I'm looking forward to that. Um, just the execution and the build up, yeah. I think it'll really land a lot better. You so. know, it, it is kind of cool going back and thinking about um, Maester Lewin talking to Bran, uh-huh. right, and having his lessons and why they're really important, especially now that he. He doesn't have the use of his legs, and his yeah. knowledge, knowledge will be his his path to greatness. Right, and now he essentially knows everything. Uh huh. Yeah. So yep. I don't know. I, th- that, I think I think that's kind of a cool way to look at it as as with Bran as the king. Yeah, yeah, it is for sure. So so. Uh, all right, guys. Well, that is it for us today, uh, Sir Ezra. I think uh, we we need to do some 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 plugging here, and uh, yeah. Yeah, and um, so uh, first of all, if you want to follow me on the internet, you can check me out anywhere on the internet at Super Gaines Bros, Instagram and Twitter. Sir Ezra, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, yeah, um, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Womprat underscore two M. That's at Womprat underscore two M. I've uh, just been posting a couple. Um, you know, I got the podcast episodes rolling up there, and, and trying to be more active on Twitter. I've kind of taken a hiatus from a couple other different social medias but i'll be back you know Mm -hmm. maybe i'll appear as no one maybe i'll appear as Mm -hmm. uh, who knows so (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah we uh bend the knee also has a twitter and uh instagram uh if you follow us on twitter you get notified immediately when our episodes drop so that's pretty cool uh you can also check out our new show uh called hyperspace hangout it's a star wars podcast uh you can follow us on twitter at hh one L337 L337 yeah and it's on Podbean iTunes and coming to the other platforms uh, like Spotify and things like that very soon um and we have our reread coming uh, our next uh I think we're about, we're about almost 75% of the way through the first book Game of Thrones uh chapter 56 and for a lot of people, we're still we're still kind of bringing this up because I think a lot of people thinks we're starting over. Uh, no, you can find that on previous episodes. I'm guessing on whatever format you use, whether that's YouTube, Podbean, iTunes. Uh, we have recorded uh, many, many of the of the of the first book, and going back to all of our previous follow up Fridays, we have done in the past and vast theories. We don't just discuss the current chapters that we're on. We are we will discuss any point in the series. Um, so even, even if you're currently reading through the books and you're say in a storm of swords, uh, you feel free to keep sending us Ravens cause we'll talk about those as well. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot more stuff in the books and book theories and, uh, we have a huge Patreon series coming out. We're going to start that next week. And, uh, j- just in brief, it's about the tourney of Heron Hall and how all of this maybe started and some of the motivations behind it. Some really, really cool stuff. Uh, that we're looking forward to to sharing with you. So check that out at uh, patreon.com forward slash bend the knee. And speaking and speaking of the Patreon content, I do uh, want to bring up the fact that uh, we had we had we had a new person join on Patreon yesterday, and then uh, after we posted a a piece of content, and then they were like, "Oh, I didn't realize you get access to all the old stuff." Yes, you do get access to all of the old Patreon episodes that we've done. I think we've done over like around twenty five or so, Sir Ezra. 
uh, yeah. yep. theories and, and musings on all, all kinds of things. So you do immediately get access to all of that content when you uh, join us on, on Patreon. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, some good so, stuff on there for sure. So, all right, guys. Well, we want to thank you for playing the Game of Thrones. In our next episode, we will be discussing Game of Thrones Chapter 56. If you like our podcast, don't forget to subscribe, like us, write a review, leave a comment, or send us a raven at btkcast at gmail.com. We'll see you in a week, and remember that our reread is coming. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.